This is the Idea Time Show, Idea Time Show with Dr. Joe North, helping facilitators expand their creativity, confidence, and impact through the power of innovation in action. Gain confidence as a facilitator, confidence with the technology, and confidence with your content and event design. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe North. Hi there, welcome to the show. We've got all sorts of good things planned. This is a really deep dive into psychological safety and teamwork. And it's really helpful for innovators, facilitators and change makers. The questions that I'll be answering and addressing in the show are what is psychological safety in a group? What are the components of psychological safety and how do you build it? These are really important things because with any innovation, facilitation or change making, people have got to feel that they can contribute, they can share ideas, that they can speak up about things, they can challenge and this is you know it's a really important environment that we get right as well so there are ways of doing that and by understanding really what psychological safety is what its components are and and how it works then we can we can start to make some difference and do an even better job with our innovation facilitation and change making so what we're going to cover is why it's important for team working specifically including innovation business growth design sprints and learning environments I'll cover the signs of psychological danger and psychological safety in teams and we'll have a think about how to nurture a climate of psychological safety in remote, hybrid and co-located team environments as well. So this really applies whether we're doing things in established teams who know each other well or whether they're just a team who's come together just for a day, a session and they don't usually work together. So all of these factors apply. Let's start with what is psychological safety at work. And the person who's really credited with building on the previous work and really getting into psychological safety and getting in there from a deep research point of view is Amy Edmondson, a professor at Harvard Business School. And her definition of psychological safety is that it's a belief that one will not be punished or humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns or mistakes. So it's really we can be who we are, we can be our whole self when we're at work in that team environment. I do really recommend, if you haven't read it, do check out her book, The Fearless Organisation, creating psychological safety in the workplace for learning, innovation and growth. It really is a very, very interesting read. It's very engaging as well. So not only is it backed by all the evidence and all the science, but it's really very accessible and really very interesting. So psychological safety really is about the group's relationship, it's everybody's relationship in a group with each other. It's related to trust, but it's different from trust because trust is really about an individual to individual dynamic. Psychological safety is how much we, I suppose, trust the group around us that actually we can speak up, we can say what we think and we can be who we are in that environment and there won't be any negative consequences for us. I hope that helps with the definition of psychological safety. And it's really important because there's all sorts of research that shows that teams that experience psychological safety, they innovate more successfully. They're actually more creative because they're happy to push the thinking further and the ideas further. 
and they apply the innovation more successfully because of course innovation is also about critiquing those ideas and developing and selecting so through debate they get better innovation results the organizations and teams they're in experience better performance and of course there's a better balance of diversity and thinking as well because where there isn't psychological safety people are agreeing they're just sort of acquiescing and going along with things so psychological safety means that people will challenge when that challenge is needed and bring those different perspectives into light also with psychological safety there are lots of individual benefits as well as those for team performance particularly around well-being and if you think about it it sort of makes sense doesn't it because if we're feeling like really good that we can be who we are we can speak up that our opinions and our views are going to be valued rather than judged then that's better for our all-round mental health and well-being and also if we feel that way we are more likely to be engaged and committed and contributing and just feeling really good about what we're doing as well so creating an environment of really strong psychological safety has organizational benefits it also has individual benefits too and it's the foundation of all high performing individuals and all high performing teams and as we get into the a team environment whether it's a remote environment or an in-person environment psychological safety is such an interesting phenomenon because when we link it to things like the ringelman effect i don't know if you've heard of the ringelman effect but what this is is that the more people there are the less individuals take responsibility for making a contribution so the classical example is if somebody keels over with a heart condition in the street and it's a really busy street people are more likely to walk by because they just assume that somebody else will deal with it whereas if there's only a couple of people in the street with that poor individual then they're more likely to to step in take some responsibility and seek help and support the individual who's unwell so when we think about it the ringelman effect is very closely related to psychological safety as well because often it can be more off-putting can't it to speak up in a, an environment where there's more people and i see this all the time i'm sure you do too when you're having your meetings whether they're online meetings or in-person meetings and the more people there are sometimes more reluctant people are to speak up and contribute so we can get around this by doing all sorts of things asking people to work in smaller groups using online tools if you're doing your work remotely such as the chats the hands up button polling and so on to get everybody involved i love tools like miro and mentimeter everybody can contribute but in a safer sort of way and also i think you know just really when you're in that big group environment giving people time to think and asking a question giving them a moment to think rather than putting people on the spot so they're all things that we can do that are really straightforward but the ringelman effect is worth bearing in mind and i often get facilitators who want to really improve what they're doing and they say you know why is it that i just i'm there and there's a screen and nobody's talking to me i'm asking questions i'm working really hard to engage them and and nobody's talking to me Well, the reason is that we need to create psychological safety. We need to take into account the Ringelman effect and make it safe for people to engage and think differently rather than just expecting people to speak up in a larger public arena. Now, there are four stages of psychological safety and really we need to go through each of these stages to get to the fourth stage. And the first one is inclusion safety. 
And this is where uh, members of a group feel that they belong, they feel safe, and they feel that they are welcome there. And of course, there's lots of things we can do as leaders, as innovators or facilitators to make everybody feel welcome and make everybody feel valued. And that can really accelerate the sense of creating psychological safety. Everybody's welcome, whoever you are, whatever your perspective, and however different you are from everybody else. Everybody's really valued. And I think if we demonstrate that from a leadership point of view, that goes a really long way to creating psychological safety because we need to role model and and set the tone. The next stage is learner safety. And this is where people feel really confident about asking questions, uh, they're curious, they're speaking up, and they want to find out more about what's going on. So we need to feel that we're welcome, usually, in order to feel confident to ask those learner questions. And then we can move on to the next stage of psychological safety, which is about contribution, contributor safety. And this is about sharing ideas. And if you think about it, whenever we share an idea, particularly one where that's a little bit more off the wall or unusual or that goes against where the group's going, we are sort of exposing ourselves a little bit because we're sticking our head above the parapet and suggesting something that could be shot down. So this is why psychological safety is so necessary for change making, for innovation. You know, we need people to come up with ideas. We need people to speak up. And that's the third stage, because stage four is then challenging. They can question other people's suggestions. They can suggest changes. They're really going to let us know what they think and hopefully do that in the right way. But they feel really confident about, about doing that. And of course, whenever we challenge anything, we sometimes have to sort of take a deep breath and use a bit of courage and go for it. I think all of us do from time to time. But in order to do that, we do need to have each of those stages of psychological safety in place. It's a really important lesson as well that if we are going to create an environment of psychological safety for others, we also need to make sure that we're in a good place ourselves with this. Firstly, because I think our energy transfers. We're also role modelling, as I've said. And it means that if we're in a good place, we can sort of just get on with focusing on others and helping them in that environment and we can listen more actively and we can respond more appropriately and communicate better. I really like this matrix that is in The Fearless Organisation by Amy Edmondson which has two axes, it has drive on the horizontal axis and psychological safety on the vertical axis because it's really interesting when you put psychological safety together with drive. So drive being you know, a really intrinsic motivation, a desire to contribute, uh, a, a desire to make a difference. You put the two together, it's a really powerful combination. High levels of psychological safety and high levels of drive in individuals creates really high performance. Where we've got people that are really driven, they want to make a big difference, but actually they're not feeling that psychological safety in their environment, that leads to a sense of anxiety. And of course, that's not good for well-being, and it's not good for overall performance of anybody. Where there is a low level of drive and a low level of psychological safety, people feel apathy. So you know they're not really interested, they're not particularly engaged, they're doing what they need to do, but aren't connected in. And again, that isn't a positive contributor to team performance or to individual performance. And where there's high levels of psychological safety and the drive isn't particularly present, then that just feels really comfortable. So it's a nice and pleasant place to be. 
but not a lot gets done, not a lot gets challenged, there's not a lot of innovation. So what we really need to do, and it's our job as innovators, as change makers, as facilitators, to really harness the collective energy, wisdom, creativity and knowledge that's there in the teams and the groups that we're working with and really you know, turn that drive into high performance by helping to create this environment of psychological safety. Now, we can't create that environment completely on our own. There's a two-way relationship. We can help, we can nurture that environment, we can set the scene. But sometimes people, of course, have got things going on for them that we may not even know about or never know about. Sometimes they're not even aware of it themselves, where they don't feel confident you know, to challenge or to suggest ideas at that point. So it is worth bearing that in mind as well. And don't give yourself, you know, if you're doing all the right things and sometimes it's still challenging for you to get everybody to feel this sense, then then do be aware that it is for them to uh, build their own psychological safety too. So it's a two-way thing. I think it's worth mentioning that. And when we're with people, it's really useful, I think, to remember that leadership and management are different and we need to both lead and manage sometimes at the same time. And as Grace Hopper says, we manage things and we lead people. So when we're innovating, when we're we're involved in change or facilitating, there are things we need to manage. So let's just take a simple example of an innovation sprint. We need to manage the technology. We need to manage the process. We need to manage the resources and manage the time. But we're also leading people. And it is, you know, from a leading people point of view, creating that psychological safety and modelling that and doing what we can to get people feeling that they can contribute, that their contributions are valued, is really important. And there are some core leadership behaviours, and it's really useful to think about these. They're very simple things to do as well. So the first one I'm going to mention might be one of the hardest, but um, not necessarily so. And that's actually acknowledging our own fallibility. So sometimes I'm facilitating, I'm doing things online, I might press the wrong button, you know, and just go to one screen share instead of another. And and that's that's okay. But just being very human, I think, helps if you're... You know, if you are very human and you acknowledge that you're not perfect all the time, then that just makes everybody else relax and feel more comfortable as well so that they can be you know, comfortable in who they are and what they're contributing. Another core leadership behaviour that really helps with psychological safety is to frame problems as a learning problem. Be curious, you know, model curiosity, ask questions. And if something's not working, be interested in why it's not working and really depersonalise that and get to the bottom of, of that in, in a very open, transparent and curious way that, that isn't very, you know, make sure there's no finger pointing, there's no blaming. It's just the dynamic. That's how it is. What are we going to do to make that better? and then move forward from there. I hope that makes sense. And this expression, the Hanlon's razor, because I only came across it in the last week or so. It's such a funny expression, isn't it? Apparently what it means is Hanlon's razor means that if somebody does something that doesn't sit well with us, then we should see it as just something that's not deliberate, that it's unintentional. It's not, they've not done it intentionally on purpose to put us out in any way you know they've just done it and they've not been mindful of the impact that it would have you know and I think what I would phrase that really is giving people the benefit of the doubt 
and not being judgmental, not jumping in if somebody doesn't say something in quite the right way or doesn't have, you know, a point of view that we would we would quite expect. You know, just really appreciate people for what they're offering and who they are and be non-judgmental. I think that's that's really important as well because you know, sometimes with judgment there is interpretation and reading into things sometimes that aren't really there. So just be really open, give people the benefit of the doubt, and that helps with psychological safety as well. Because sometimes people's intentions are good, they're just a bit clumsy in how they express it. And if we can model that level of understanding and active listening, then others will see that and hopefully pick up on that too. Now, I said I would give you some information and tips on how to spot where the psychological safety is at in your team or in your group that you you happen to be working with. If the group is comfortable admitting mistakes, if they're quite open when things go wrong, they're not trying to cover things up, if they're open to learning from failure, and if you can see that people are sharing ideas and bouncing things off each other and consulting each other and asking each other for help, and that you've got really good innovation and decision-making going on, then that is a group that is likely to have strong psychological safety. On the other hand, if a group you know, is, is frightened of admitting mistakes, they're trying to hide it, they're blaming other people, they're keeping their best ideas to themselves, it's quite competitive, they hide behind sort of the common knowledge effect, which is everybody says this, all of us think that, nobody believes that this is true, those common knowledge type things, then they're not feeling psychologically safe. And it's really interesting, actually, how much you can pick up when you really tune in to a group. I think you can intuit, if you pay close attention to those things, um, where a group's at and help to nurture that and coach them through feeling less safe to feeling more safe by making it okay to do those things around admitting mistakes, learning from failure, sharing ideas and asking for help. Asking for help should be seen as a strength it's better that somebody asks for help when they need it than struggles on and you know puts something at risk because they haven't asked for help because they haven't felt that they can so really essential to do that too why is psychological safety an issue in the first place well the bottom line is fear and this goes back to our evolution we've evolved as social creatures from a survival point of view we needed our community to survive from an evolutionary perspective so actually the fear of any sort of social embarrassment can be one of the biggest driver of a lack of psychological safety we're worried we're worried about saying the wrong thing doing the wrong thing looking silly there being a negative consequence to that that others don't think as highly of us we may even compromise the opportunity for promotion or for a good review or for a bonus this year or even the you know the boss thinking that we're doing a good job so there are all sorts of things going on and this is, this is why, you know, from a psychological safety and well-being perspective, the more we can do in this, the better, because what's driving a lack of psychological safety is fear. Isn't it better when we can put those unnecessary fears, actually, in many cases, sometimes those fears are imagined and self-created. Sometimes, actually, the environment is a bit toxic and people have every reason to be fearful. And that, that varies from team to team and organisation to organisation. It's a real shame because fear getting in the way of people being their best, doing their best and feeling their best isn't a great thing. And I think any leader 
who is pleased that other people are fearful is really a poor leader. You might disagree with me, that might be contentious, but I just think it is because people aren't going to give their best and be their best. Leadership is a responsibility and a privilege, and I, I believe in servant leadership, which is a leader's job is to help get the best from all the team around them. So you can actually assess psychological safety and I've got some statements for each of these 10 statements. You could actually use them as a questionnaire and a Likert scale, which is a scale from one to five or one to seven and people say where they are, or you could just work through them mentally. But these are some statements that are used to assess psychological safety in teams. And you can also use these statements to put in place strategies to improve psychological safety from a leadership perspective. So it's really important that people understand what is expected of them, the first statement, because if they understand what's expected of them, they are clear. People need to know and feel that they're doing the right thing. And that's a really strong and simple starting place. So helping people be really clear. So if you, know, if you are a leader and you're setting objectives or working with objectives with a team, then make sure that everybody is really clear on their objectives. Not that you think they're clear and they're clear to you. Make sure other people are clear. If you're just you know, in a, a couple of hours with a group and you're only working with them for that couple of hours and you're briefing in a task, brief that task in really clearly so that they're not thinking, oh, I don't understand this, I don't know what I'm doing, am I going to look silly when we're doing this task? Again, give really good clarity of instructions. That's super helpful and super straightforward to do. Another statement, number two, is we value outcomes more than outputs or inputs, and nobody needs to look busy. So this is about really performance is assessed on the results rather than the activities that deliver the results. And people can you know, work smart. It's not about presenteeism and all those things. Um, it really is about valuing the contribution that people make. So it's very merit-driven as well, rather than FaceTime in the office or presenteeism online or whatever it is. This is about really modeling that and making sure that it's not about how much time you spend doing something, it's the result that you're aiming for that matters. The third one is the statement, if I make a mistake on this team, it is never held against me. And that's important that a team can have mistakes made, learn from them and then move past them. That they don't hang on to the memory of a mistake made before. And I have worked with teams where something happened five, ten years ago, and for them it feels really recent. For me, it's ancient history uh, as a newcomer to, to the team, just working with them you know, for that event or for, for that project. And it, it really holds people back. It stops them from moving forward in the future. So make it a really clean thing that you do. If a mistake's made, review it, learn it, no blame, put things in place to make sure that doesn't happen again, and then move on and truly move on, psychologically move on and put the mistake itself in the past. And this is the same with the fourth statement, which is when something goes wrong, we work as a team to find the, the systemic, the real underlying cause. It's about learning. Again, it's about learning rather than uh, glossing over things, pretending things haven't happened and not learning. And of course, no finger pointing. 
Five is all members of this team feel able to bring up problems and tough issues. And again, they might have to take a deep breath and have a dose of courage in order to do that. Because sometimes, you know, even however psychologically safe we feel, some conversations are tough to have, aren't they? But actually, if people feel that they can speak up, that that won't be held against them, that there won't be some sort of retribution further further down the line, that is, is really important. So what you can do there is to really encourage that, is to be open to it and actually invite it and make sure your response when people do bring up problems and tough issues is a positive one. That means that people will continue to do that and they won't be put off that in the future. Number six, members of this team never reject others for being different and nobody is left out. And This is about everybody being included, everybody being welcomed. It's about no cliqueiness, no favouritism, no some people are better than others, that actually everybody has a contribution. That contribution might vary and it's going to be different things from different people. But, you know, as a team, we include everybody. That should be the philosophy. And also think about how people are spoken about as well and make sure people are, you know, the conversations that happen, then they're never putting anybody down when they're not there. Even when those conversations aren't about you, if you hear them being said about other people, then you think, well, they're saying that about them. What are they saying about me when I'm not here? So really thinking about making sure that that's all good as well, that there's always that respect for every single member of the team. Number seven is it is safe for me to take a risk on this team. Yeah, we've got to give things a go. And I was with somebody this week and he said, if we're not making mistakes, it means we're not trying hard enough. It means we're not progressive enough. Everybody's got to take a risk. You know, that risk needs to be calculated and safe and thought through and all of, of those good things. But people need to have a go at something and it be okay for that calculated risk not to work out and for it to be a learning experience. Number eight is it's easy for me to ask other members of this team for help. And I've, I've already spoken about that. You know, it, it really is a weakness in, in any team if people think if they've got a problem, they've got to deal with it all themselves. Asking for help is a real strength. And again, you as the leader of that team, as the innovator, as the facilitator, if you're asking for help, then when you need it, then it demonstrates that actually it's okay and and actually it's a really valuable thing for other people to ask for help when they need it too. And number nine is nobody on this team would deliberately act in a way that undermines my efforts. Yeah, uh, this is about making sure that nobody's playing politics, that there's no unhelpful competition within the team, that people are acting in a way that is full of integrity and honesty. So... People have got to feel confident that they're in that supportive environment. And finally, number 10 is my unique skills and talents are valued and utilised in my work as part of this team. So look for the different strengths and the contributions that everybody brings and try and get them to be used wherever possible. Help to create opportunities for those talents and strengths to come to life and be actioned and again you can do that in a workshop if that's the only time you're spending with people and you can certainly do it ongoing as a team leader and you know in a workshop it's looking out for the person that you know likes to keep time or might be really creative on Miro or virtual whiteboard that I use so just really recognize the skills and talents and the the positivity of contribution.
So those are 10 statements that can be used to assess psychological safety. As I've said, you could use those in a questionnaire if you're working with a more permanent or ongoing team and you could have conversations around these. You could also use them, as I've said, as a mental checklist to think, actually, am I doing things and role modeling things and putting things in place that address all of those? Uh, in my team and what can I do differently and what can I do better and consult the team on those. I hope that's useful you know and I think there are a number of actions that we can all take for psychological safety. We've talked about some of them in a, a remote environment where you've got large groups, we've talked about breakout rooms, using the chat, using the hands up feature, using tools like polling tools, questions and also things like Miro whiteboards, there's murals, there are others as well, of course. For a more, on a more ongoing basis, it's really about role modelling and, and going first, um, asking for help, showing that that's okay, and really encouraging everybody's contribution to be valued and for everybody to just do themselves, be the best version of themselves that they can be, but be 100% themselves when they come to work, so that from a wellbeing perspective and a performance perspective, they thrive, the team thrives, and the wider organisation thrives too. And that actually translates into a much more positive customer experience as well. So psychological safety is at the heart of so much great outcome, but also very, very important uh, to how we feel at work. So I hope you found that really useful. Do read that book, The Fearless Organisation, and also head over to bigbangpartnership.co.uk slash resources. There's lots of information and free downloads there for you. Also check out the Big Bang Partnership blog as well because I've got some really in-depth articles on things for innovators, change makers and facilitators. And until then, I'll be back next week. Have a great week and I'll see you very soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time Show brought to you by Dr Joe North. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.